This is episode three of Casher versus Casher. I'm one Casher. And I am another Casher. I'm Moshe Casher, the comedian. David is David Casher, the rabbi, and we're here to talk Jew stuff. Episode three, we broke records with our previous two episodes. We were the most downloaded podcast in any category of all time, both episodes. Did you know that, David? In every country, I believe. Every country, every category, every form of media. We had more downloads for our podcast than we've ever anyone's ever had for any downloaded thing ever, including so thanks, pornography. Thanks to you all out there, and uh, and and I guess thanks to the coronavirus. Appreciate that. Thanks. Yes, thanks to everybody for downloading us. Uh, this week we're talking about something that we've all sort of become to some degree or another. Everyone in America and in fact the world has turned into a bit of a loner, a hermit, a person hiding in their hovel or their bunker or their palace, if you're Ellen DeGeneres. David, you wanted to talk about this. Why? Well, I think you brought this up. I, you, you, it was your idea and it's a good idea. But initially, I thought, well, it doesn't really apply, though, to Judaism. Like, I, I know that in Christianity, uh, the life of a hermit is considered, a, you know, in certain traditions, a kind of spiritual ideal, but we don't really encourage that. That's not like the Jewish way of life is pretty social, uh, pretty communal. I guess I, just, I guess I just always picture some like, um, you know, old Jew living in a cabin outside of the main village coming in with baubles and tallow and things like that to trade with the local Cossacks. Right. I guess you do have those legends of the people that kind of live on the outskirts of town, or they say that about some of the great mystical teachers like the Arizal, that he would, you know, spend all week meditating and then come in on Shabbat and teach. Um, but, the, but you know, uh, the idea of like a real hermit, like someone who's just like away alone in the woods for like a long period of time, I did, you know, I thought about it and I did think of some, at least three examples, really kind of classic figures in, in, in Jewish uh, tradition, who essentially, I think we could say were hermits for a while. They, they took real. So, so, so I'll, 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 I'll take us through maybe um, all three and see what, see, what, see what you think. Okay, so hermits are not a staple of the Jewish spiritual life like they are in Christianity or Hinduism. But uh, is that because, would you say, that Judaism is always community-focused and always focused around a, a synagogue life, right? Gathering minions and things. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, like, look, on some level, I guess, you know, the founders of Judaism, like Abraham and Sarah lived out in the desert. So in a way, they were alone. But they were, like, always trying to build a community. And the whole right. structure of Jewish like ritual presumes that you, how do you pray? You pray with people. How do you celebrate the holidays? You celebrate the holidays with people. Like Shabbat is this beautiful practice, but it, it would sort of suck if you were doing it alone. Also, we're really into group discounts, right? And you can't have a group discount without a group. There you go. That's, that goes all the way back to the Torah as well. Okay, so we have three people that bucked that tradition of not non-hermitage. Tell us about these three. Yeah, I think there. I think, I think these three figures are are unusual um, within Judaism, but they're also kind of classic figures. And the first one, and like I said, you know, you could be like, "Oh, Moses was on the mountain for forty days." That's that's alone. But like, I'm talking about someone who really spent time alone. And the first, the first one that I thought of was was Elijah, Elijah the prophet. 
who, mm. uh, first of all, we don't even like his story is like not, we don't even know where he came, he came from. He just sort of pops out of nowhere in the middle of a narrative and he starts shouting at the king. And then the very next thing we hear is God's like, get out of here, go, go into the desert. And so wait, goes, can I stop you? Yeah. Uh, for those of us that don't know, and that's not me because I obviously know everything about all Jewish canon and literature. But what story does he appear in? What is he in the Bible? Where's where's this Elijah? All I know him from is he's the guy that comes door to door um, stealing wine from families right. on Passover. Right. Okay. So so Elijah. Well, I in in a way I think that that that's related. I mean, one of the reasons that Elijah ends up being this kind of weird mystical figure is because he had this weird mysterious life. But so he was a prophet that lived. Um, in the in the days uh, after uh, after King David and King Solomon, when the when the the monarchy had sort of descended into chaos and corruption, and he lived during the time of the worst of all the prophets, Ahab. Ahab and his wife Jezebel were considered like uh, sorry, those are the worst of all the kings and queens. Like they were they sorry. were you know pure evil somehow. And um, and so he Jezebel went on to after being the queen of Israel to start a feminist uh, website and blog. Correct? He did. Jezebel. She had a second career. Yes, second yeah. career. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, no. I mean, it's a, it's a really interesting story actually because he's Elijah's a, like doesn't seem afraid of the king at all, but he's terrified of Jezebel. Anytime Jezebel threatens him, he like basically he actually there are two periods in his life when he has a kind of retreat in the desert and one i was just getting into like when he first appears he, it seems like he's going to start doing stuff and then god all, all of a sudden is like get out of here and go into the desert almost like you want to be a prophet here i'll train you how to be a prophet and he goes into the wilderness and god like feeds him with ravens that come and deliver uh it's very kind of like supernatural it's actually especially supernatural for the bible you don't usually have this kind of story, but these ravens come and bring him bread and meat every morning. And he's there for a while um, until finally he seems to have gotten and then God sends him back into the into the world. So that's one one episode of Hermitage. But then the other one is is uh, is related to like him fleeing from Jezebel, where he um, Jezebel um, says after he's like killed all these like prophets of Baal and created all this destruction. Jezebel's like, I'm going to get you. And again, he kind of flees into the wilderness. And this is when he, there's this famous scene where like God appears to him and it's not, God's not in the fire and God's not in the wind and God's not in the earthquake. But then there's this like still small voice. And like he hears the voice of God in this like little whisper. So anyway, those are the stories, but like that's, that's the first time you have someone who's like in Judaism, whose like spiritual powers seem almost to come from, or he seems to need like some kind of retreat into the desert to like, I don't know what he's doing out there, but he's having some kind of encounter with God, some sort of communion with God that like makes him more, I don't know, powerful or wise or prophetic or something like that. What does God say to him in the still small voice? Does he say like, you like those ravens? How do you like that raven thing I did? Well, the, that that whole thing is 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 a little mysterious, right? Like, there's there's God's God's basically like, what's what are you doing here? Like, what are you? Because this time he had fled into the desert, right? God didn't call him there, so God's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, 
you know, I've worked my whole life for you, God. I like, I, I serve you and uh, I get nothing for it. Like the Israelites don't follow me and they, they've, they've ruined Israel and they, they've they t- t- torn apart your covenant and I'm the only one left and everyone's trying to kill me. So essentially like, you know, I'm, I'm serving you here. I'm this prophet. And, and it's like, it's miserable. Like I, I'm miserable. Like almost like give me an answer. And God's answer is not in words. It's like, he takes him out and <laughs> what? <laughs> like a little thing like that. <laughs> it's my That's God. Small voice. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's God. I sent the ravens. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that kind of thing. Like so. So it's yeah. this. Be- he actually oh. often quote this passage. It's this beautiful passage. Like God was not in the wind, and God was not in the earthquake, and God was not in the fire. But God. But then a still small voice. But like. What it is, we don't exactly know. But the point is, like, Elijah is this is this guy who... And the other thing about Elijah is, like, he doesn't really seem to like people, and they don't seem to like him. So he, like... Oh, he's like you. He's like yeah, you. A little bit like me in that way, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Deep cut. Deep cut. Ouch. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. But, but um, no, there's... So, so anyway, my point is that Elijah sort of like forms that image for the first time in Jewish tradition of someone who like would just as soon not talk to anyone and is like out there in the wilderness, like getting more and more, you know, like Luke Skywalker at the end of the, the one of those recent star Wars movies, just like meditating and becoming more and more full of, of the, of the spirit, you know? Suck. Yeah. Sucking down that green titty milk, like Luke Skywalker. Uh, Not exactly like that. Exactly. Well, he was drinking that green titty milk. Do you not remember? I think that's what you're referencing. Skywalker yeah. on the mountain, and then all of a sudden the big reveal is he's been surviving on, like, alien green titty milk. Yeah, it's not that way. Okay, I, I, hear you, I, I hear you having a reaction, and I'm assuming that it's probably because you're thinking all milk is titty milk, and that's actually a fair point, and I'm going to let you take over. Okay, great. So um, with Elijah, it's a little different. Um, mm-hmm. but, but my, but I do, th- I want to just like, um, return to something you said earlier, which is like this whole idea that Elijah is this weird kind of like super spiritually powerful, but also kind of like, um, this, this odd loner figure. I think this is what makes Elijah the guy that we reference whenever we think about like, um, you know, he, he pops up at the Seder or he's like hovering around at a birth or he's like. When we do Havdalah, we sing to Elijah, like all these like mystical moments, Elijah pops up because there's this way in which he is this like, even when in his story, he's like this mysterious figure that we don't really know, you know, off in the distance. Right. Like Elijah is the prophet that some people say is still walks among us. Right. And that is like, kind of like a, uh, a, a weird figure going around doing good deeds as like a ghostly eternal prophet, right? Yeah, and yes, and the reason for that is like the other major mystical thing that happens in Elijah's life, which is like sort of his death, but sort of the point is he didn't die. He just gets taken away by this sort of chariot into the, into like God just sort of picks Elijah up and sweeps him off. So like that's, you know, like that's about as, supernatural and ending as 
So, so there's this, because of that, there's some, some idea like, oh, maybe he didn't die. Maybe he wasn't even a human. Like maybe he had some, he was transported and in, in, in is back in his dimension, but like pops up every once in a while. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's another prophet with heavy quotation marks, David, that I'm thinking okay. of that went off. Oh, off you're, of you're saying you don't believe in prophecy, you're saying. No, I'm saying just wait till I bop, drop the, bop the drum, as I say, or as other people say drop the bomb of who I'm talking about and you'll see why I had to okay. qualify it Get of me. another prophet quote unquote uh, who who stole off to the desert to go have himself a revelation and that revelation is, is a clue G- Jesus H Christ oh no I thought you were going to say Jim Morrison <laughs> same 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 you know but yeah but the, but that but you're right in a way which is that it does kind of establish this tradition I mean you know, a lot of people think that the the uh, like the Jesus story echoes the Elijah story. You know, like uh, in all kinds of like maybe one certain ideas were borrowed, maybe from one from the other. You know, kind of thing. But um, all right, not to offend any 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 uh, co-religious any of our of our evangelical Christian listeners, of which there are <laughs> many, but um, many. No, but but you, but that's what I'm saying is like. Jesus and, and Jim Morrison and, you know, and the desert fathers and the, like, there's this, now there's this idea that like, there are these, you know, spiritual, you know, kind of these figures that come Yoda, you know what I mean? Like, they're just like, they're off in the wilderness, like, because they, they can't handle being with people. They're just like in some spiritual zone where they're going deep, deep, right. deep you know, you're in isolation right now. Are you going deep you know are you getting to that spiritual zone that's an interesting question that i will attempt to uh answer sincerely um i am i think like most people are right now i don't know how much transform transformative work i'm doing but i'm certainly doing a lot of transformative contemplation uh thinking like what does it mean to be uh living in a time when all of society falls apart do I need to reassess? Do I need to uh, reevaluate uh, where I'm coming from? What, hmm. what does all of this mean? So yeah, I'm in a, pl- a place of uh, spiritual contemplation. What about you? Yeah, I mean, you put it in a really interesting way. I mean, like, I, I wonder if this, I mean, we don't really want to be trapped inside, but there is some impulse that I have like, oh yes, this could be, and I think a lot of people feel like maybe this will be a time when I, when I go inside myself and cultivate some new understanding and like I'll meditate more and I'll, you know, there's that, but you're, you're saying a different version of it, which I think is also a kind of meditation, which is just to like, whoa, like we have this pause just to spend time, some time grappling with like, what is this situation we've gotten ourselves into? What's this world that we live in? What, what matters most? And it, it's not necessarily like uh, blissful, but it's a kind of, grappling and and actually i think that that fits the elijah version of the of the hermitage much more like he's out there wrestling with something like struggling with you know what is it what does it mean this society and why are things the way they are all right yeah so i well i want to keep talking about this but i also want to make sure we have enough time to move on to stories two and three why don't we see if we can 
find themes that link all three of these stories. What's the second one? Okay, okay. So I'll, t- I'll tell the others more quickly. But the, the second one is, is in, in some ways in, informed by the first because it's the story of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, who is one of the kind of the early Talmudic um, sages, lived at the time of the second century, time of the destruction of the temple, and, um, and is like the guy that we, um, tradition has it that he wrote the Zohar, that he's like the mystical figure, right? So anyway, the Zohar when, is the main book of the Kabbalah, correct? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, and it's attributed to him, which gives, and I think the reason that it's attributed to him is in part because of this story, which is that the Romans were like he had, he was like bad mouthing the Romans, and you know they were taking over, and so they were out out to kill him, and he and his son went to a cave and hid there um, for twelve years, and and it's a very Elijah like the story. It's like. There, they were like they were fed by birds again, and also like you know um, things that just grew up out of the ground, and um, they were they buried themselves deep into the ground, and like so that their clothes wouldn't wear out, and they would just study Torah all day with their just like I guess their a little book in front of their head popped out, you know. Wait a minute, they buried themselves in the ground so their clothes wouldn't wear out. <laughs> that's what it says like if they're well, they were only they were only gone for 12 years it's not like the their clothes would have turned into dust i mean i have 12 year old shirts right now well the i mean the point is they were being very uh careful about you know using their clothes they just wore the the dirt from for most of the day i don't know i don't know i am finding that part of the story hard to believe um, okay, so anyway, so I actually don't even remember exactly. There's like a carob tree that grows. I forget how they get fed, but like one way or another, oh, it's very alive-like. And there are- now that that really is suffering to have to eat carob for twelve years. Do you remember when mom would give us carob instead of chocolate when we were kids? Oh, carob is bad. Carob is bad, but if you are in a state of austerity and, and spiritual isolation, maybe that's what you need. You don't need chocolate. You, you know, you need, you need right. to focus on the Torah. That's, that's, that that's the point of the story is that they weren't indulging in full-blown chocolate. Anyway, basically, okay. like, Elijah comes at the end of this 12 years. Right? I speak of Elijah Popman, and he's like, oh, by the way. Oh, he didn't come for 12 years? That Was is that? hard, too. That's also, no, I, I didn't realize he didn't come that whole 12 years as well. <laughs> so that's interesting. That's a new- oh, my gosh, I can't do this. He shows up. Yeah. Shows oh, he arrives. Uh-huh. He appears. At the at the at the head of the cave, and he's like, "You can come the, out. the The emperor is dead." And then the last part of the story is like they come out, but like they've been in such a spiritual zone for so long that like when they look at other people just going about their business, like you know, working in the fields, they're like, "These people, they're like, they're just like working in the. They're they're like not they're not engaging in spiritual matters. They're just working. They're just like doing these like very menial, basic like." low-level tasks and they shoot fire out of their eyes and 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 burn to death at everyone they see which is you know like what yeah <laughs> wait so I think it's a metaphor are you high? they have disdain for people who are not on their spiritual level wait so the story goes that these rabbis shimon bar yochai comes out of the cave he's free mm-hmm. he's like his great revelation after 12 years of meditation is discussed for the working class so pronounced that he murders them okay so but, okay so so the the end then of that 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 part of the story is that god 
shows up and is like, what are you doing? Like, did you come like, out? Dad, I'm doing what I thought you wanted me to do, killing all these warping people. I mean, what do you, what do you want from me over here? No, so, but that is, that's sort of the point I think of the story is like, God's like, go back. God sends them back to the cave. And I think the point of the story is like, there is a little bit of this idea that people who are in isolation, like Elijah, and like those people, those people are also socially, often these hermits are people who have a disdain for society. And that's part of mm. what drives people into isolation is that they're just, I mean, think of like, a, what's his name? Ted Kaczynski, you know, like that's also an aspect of, of the, or a type of the hermit is someone who's like, gets so into their zone that like when they come back out, they just have disdain for the world or maybe they have disdain for it to begin with. Well, that's interesting because maybe that, so you're saying, where is this story? Where do you find this story? This, <laughs> I found it in the Talmud. The Talmud. Like maybe the idea is like that they, it's like a, a polemic about why hermitage and, and social isolation is not for the Jews. And I specifically, I'm like, you know, like I said, the Hindus have that in spades, but like they're, uh, they're monotheistic compatriots on the subcontinent, the Sikhs, they, they're not down with that. And they're all about like community and, and it's, and, and almost this, I, I don't know about the Sikhs anymore, but almost like in, in Judaism, like this idea that it's almost selfish to go off and meditate and rest these spiritual uh, uh, revelations for yourself, then all you get is freedom for yourself. But if you stay in the community, then you can bring the spiritual realizations and, and freedom to the community. But even more specifically, I'm thinking, maybe this whole thing is a critique of what I'm thinking, like, who are the big desert dweller, leave society people in Jewish history? It's the... Uh, the uh, is it the Essenes? Is that who it is? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So is this maybe just a story for them saying like these Essenes are like they go off to the desert and they come back like these you know fucking wanton weirdos? Maybe it's all kind of a, a, a they'll kill you, you know, like doing that's bad for you and the community. Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of what you're saying feels really, really true to me. Like uh, that, that that first of all, there is this kind of tendency, a certain in our religion, but in certain also similar religions to like celebrate. Uh, we, I say similar because the Essenes were this sect around the time that the rabbis rose and their version of, of Jewish life was like just purity and going into the wilderness to just sort of self-denial and extreme, you know, asceticism. And I think that you're yeah. right. that We're skeptical of that or our tradition is, and we have these figures that sort of burst out, but they are, they're regarded with some, um, suspicion like there's this um another story about Rabbi Shimon is like that he was he 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 uh, preached this idea that like you should study Torah all the time and he was in a debate with like others who were like no you have to work most of the time but like in in, in a way he's like the sort of the source for this idea of like forget about the world forget about work forget just like learn Torah study God and and basically like that that in that debate as it's recorded they they say you know, people tried to do like Rabbi Shimon, but it didn't work. And that's why we go like, the, like, it doesn't work for most people, you know, like that kind of intense spiritual isolation. Right, right. Yeah. Would, we have kind of a, that playing out right now in the state of Israel, where inexplicably every single Haredi person is a scholar that needs to spend his entire life in a study hall. 
like I guess they don't have dum-dums in that community. So they're somehow able to all get government funding to go study in the library for their entire adult lives. Right. I mean, that's, that is that their, their way of life is, is certainly built on the Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai philosophy of like, everybody should just sure. go full, full on. And that's, that's good for everyone. Where like, I think in, in reality, like some people want that sort of intense, quiet, contemplative life, but it doesn't, it doesn't, most of us are so, so naturally social. I mean, that's why this part, this time is like not, you know, not easy. It's like, we don't like, this uh-huh. is not a state of, of being that is actually natural to a human. All right. Story three. All right. So story three is, is like, is, uh, is in some ways like the most intense in part because it's like just about someone that is not too far back. This is, um, uh, the Kutzka Rebbe, one of the kind of the great Hasidic, um, Rebbe's, uh, of the, of the, uh, the 18th and 19th century. And, um, he was this really, really intense guy who like, be- he, he became Hasidic. Um, he had come from like a more like, a you know, Litvak kind of family and he became Hasidic and, and, and then he just like, he dove into it and he was sort of known for his like, kind of no bullshit philosophy. Like, just like tell it like it is. And like, no excuses for either your relationship with God. Like one of his famous sayings is um, someone asked him, where, where, where can you find, where is God? And he's like, wherever you let God in, God is, I, I, which is like beautiful, but also a little bit like, it's your problem. Like you're, you know, like he's this very intense, like speak the truth, just like devote yourself anyway. So he, he kind of led this, this version of Hasidic Judaism, this sort of like intense introspective, just be honest and no bullshit kind of. And, but that part of him got more and more apparently intense over the years. And like, I don't know, like a modern person would wonder what his kind of psychological profile was like. But, but anyway, at a certain point, like he got so, um, kind of uh, alienated from his own, like things were getting weirder and weirder. And one um, Friday night, that's like the Friday night Shabbat, like there are all kinds of stories about what happened, but like apparently like they're waiting for him to say Kiddush and it's later and later. And he like emerges from his, from, um, from his quarters. And instead of saying Kiddush, he's like, he looks like shaky and he like, um, he like he's staring at the Shabbat candles and then he just, well, who knows what happened? There are lots of stories, but the most popular story is that he reached out his hand and extinguished the candle on Shabbat, which was like, you know, wow, big forbidden. And he, and, and then there are various versions of what he said, but they're all kind of, one is, one is, is particularly intense. It's that he said, late dying, the late din. There's no, there's no judge and there's no justice. Right. Like, wow. Like, I don't believe in anything. But another version was just that he said to, uh, he just shouted his, at, his, at all of his Hasidim, like, you morons, like, I'm not your rabbi. I'm not the son of a rabbi. I'm nobody. Get away from me, you know? So, like, different versions of a kind of a breakdown. But, like, I'm telling this story, not just because it's an intense story, but, but because then apparently he, like, went into his quarters and spent the, the last 20 of years of his life in isolation. Wow, that's so intense. Yeah. Why is he remembered as a great Rebbe and not as just a heretic? You know, I mean, I think that story gets debated and buried. And I mean, he is someone who definitely inspired some of the greatest Hasidic 
movements of the 19th and 20th century, like um, the, um, the, well, I'll, the Ishvitzer Rebbe it was a student of his and the, and the Ger Rebbe was a student of his and these like powerful Hasidic minds. Um, but so he's like, and, and when he was their teacher, there was this sense that like he was starting this whole new brand of Hasidic thinking, which was all about just like truth telling and introspection. But I, I think the idea is that his own uncompromising kind of analysis, like eventually just tortured him to death. You know what I mean? Like he just, he couldn't handle, he, he is Kanye. <laughs> right? He's Kanye. Right. Exactly. Now you understand. Yeah. No, you, uh, you know what I would do if I saw, you know what I would do if I saw a guy extinguish a candle on Shabbat in front of me, if I had been there, you know what I would have done? To what him? would you have done? I would have, uh, I would, with flame beams from my eyes, I would have burned him to death. <laughs> well, you know, battle of the hermits, right? <laughs> That's right. So what do you think from all, I mean, there wasn't an intense story, 20 years, and then he just died and he never came out and said, I was wrong. He just, he, he, he had a revelation that everything was bullshit and he kind of stayed in that zone, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, like, apparently would only actually leave the house once a year when he cleaned his house for Passover. And then, um, and then like, apparently also had, like, manuscripts and manuscripts and manuscripts that he was, like, writing in there and then had them all burned before he died. Oh, tragic loss, they say. Yeah, I mean, I, like, so so there's definitely a, a, an intense hermitage there. But I, I think that unlike the other two, the idea is that, like, for him, it was like, it was a breakdown. You know, it was like suffering. Right. He couldn't, there's something about being in the world that he just couldn't, couldn't handle anymore. And that's also, I guess, a form of, of, of isolation, a cl- you know, is just like, I, 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 I'm broken. I need to be alone. Hmm. He had a, what you might call a beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy. Oh my God, I can't believe this. Yeah, you, think yeah, of it. you might say that. Yeah, it was just the Kutzka Rebbe and Kim Kardashian in a little room for 20 years. <laughs> Sounds okay to me. Okay, I don't so know, David, those stories, like, do you think there's anything in there that's, like, valuable for us as, like, you know, forced uh, hermits or, you know, at least, uh, at least somewhat isolated people? Well, I think that the answer is with hermit, with aestheticism, 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 yes, is fairly obvious, which is that if you're a spiritual seeker, you can find things uh, by going and, and isolating yourself and cutting yourself off from the, from the pleasures of human companionship, etc. You can find things that you maybe can't find if you don't take that road. But that there's also a danger of falling into the abyss because human beings need each other, and we are we are we are creatures that are born for community. Jews maybe um, I don't want to say more than more than others, but Jews certainly have this idea that the community is everything. And so you know, it sounds like you know, with the, I, I think about like you know, with every group of religious people, you have like probably five. To at most 10% of people that are actually spiritual seekers and aren't just religious because they're religious and they're kind of, and those people, you know, uh, you, you're kind of like that. And I wouldn't be surprised if you, I lost you to the desert for a couple of oh years. <laughs> um, 
there's a lot of uh, not. Uh, we'll consider that last last point. But 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 there's a lot to what you're saying that I think is is really true. That there's something kind of natural about the idea that that an isolated period might be a spiritual resource, and like it makes sense that religious traditions have this element. But it's interesting what you're saying that like it would only really work for a certain amount of people, a certain percentage of people, and so fundamentally, it's not a good system. And so, and so Judaism kind of generally discourages it. Right. But I, I think like now that we're all in this forced state of isolation, like the advantage of, and I really hope you can't hear my dogs barking, but I assume maybe you can. The advantage of, the, of uh, going into isolation is that you take away the noise of distraction that, 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 that work and sex and, hedonism and uh, hanging out with your friends and even community, even though community is largely a pure positive, even community can be something that distracts you from the, the inner, you know, the, to get back to your uh, Elijah story to the small, still voice of God that lives within each and every one of us. So to the extent oh, that people. So beautiful. So beautiful. I mean, I, I, I would play that in answer to your question about my own experience, like there is a, there is a way in which I feel like there is, there has been something really beautiful, even though, you know, this is not a good situation for our world. I, there's been something really deep about having this time to myself to just sort of, I don't know, like think and, and meditate and, you know, cook for myself and just like, just to kind of be in just, I don't know if I'm like being so spiritual about it, but there is something, it's an interesting spiritual practice just to be with yourself and just to like listen to your thoughts all day. And just to kind of, you, there is something about like just kind of getting to know yourself in this really deep way that I find, you know, I'm I'm not, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be like this all the time and I'm starting to get restless for sure. But like, there has been something nice about like, all right, well, like, you don't have a competing, you know, social activity that, like, might pull you out. You just stay at home and read that other book that you were thinking about reading and, you know, watch that show that you were thinking about watching and or or just sit on your couch and think for a while. And there, there's something about that I, that I do find really precious in the midst of all of this chaos. Well, the last thing that I'll say is that the, the job of all of us is to find the small little gifts that are within this... Uh, package of of poo poo that we've been handed you know you gotta yeah. sift sift through the doo-doo to find the little gems and, and whatever they are for each person so so like that is one that is available for all of us is an opportunity to spend a little bit more time with ourselves get to know ourselves and uh that's your like asher boys sift through the yep. doo-doo find the gems amen amen keep sifting everybody see you next week all right, bye. Bum 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 bum